Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Pay. Cliff. Bobo. We're blessed with a good guest tonight. Who do you have in store for us? He's a very controversial figure in the Bigfoot world. Some call him a troll. I call him a flamer. And uh, it's the man himself from Bigfoot Books up in Willow Creek, the modern-day Al Hodgson, Steve Struper. Very good. The one and only Bigfoot curmudgeon. I yeah. love Steve. Uh, Strudy. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> you getting all grumpy at you, man. I'm going to have to troll your page. <laughs> i'm gonna go on there and say bigfoot does not exist all day long that's what they do to me well sort of yeah so when you say do it to you is that only on the coalition page or is that your personal page as well oh, no. uh, I've, I've had a lot of problems lately with trolls just constantly you know trying to attack my social media my cell phone uh anywhere i go basically they'll they'll show up eventually uh-huh. um we had them on uh, uh one guy in particular if not two i don't know if he was copy pasting someone else but uh he showed up on reddit and we got him banned like five times because uh jamie from bluff creek project knows the guys who are running the reddit pages so uh we managed to get him sort of put in his place but you know he just comes back uh, this is one of the side effects of bigfooting you know it does, has nothing to do with field research or whatever but i yeah i don't troll anybody you know i just sit here in willow creek and do my own thing and i try to tell it like it is as honestly as i possibly can uh in accordance with logic and uh you know scientific method uh, such things as that. So if they're going to get like lip from you, they got to come to you and seek it out in a way. Right. Well, I'm, I'm not going on their pages very rarely. You know, I'm uh, on my page doing my own thing with my associates and friends. And, uh, we happen to be skeptical, uh, in, not in a trolley way, I don't think, but in a, an honest way, you know, we, Pretty much all of us on there, whether they're believers or not, want Bigfoot to be real. They want Bigfoot to be proven, uh, to, to know more about Bigfoot if Bigfoot is actually real, right? So yeah. um, we're not we're not doing this, this to troll people in the coalition group, um, which we should probably tell more about. But um, you know, or me in person, I don't, I don't exist troll you know i do my own thing and think and read constantly and we have a research project in bluff creek that i i would hold up against any of them in the country uh you know um we're doing our thing there too uh so uh, in a prime area i'd like to add you know uh right on the film site for instance Mm -hmm. um so i mean that's what i i do is uh i comment on the bigfoot scene so I'd, I'd like to say to these people who complain about the coalition group, uh, you know, don't be so stupid. Like if you <laughs> if you if you want to uh, go online and say the dumbest things you possibly can imagine anyone saying and say them about Bigfoot. Well, I'm going to come along and see it one of these days and probably comment on it, you know, at, in our group. Like that's what we do with uh, Matthew Johnson, for instance, people of that ilk. 
that I mean, we'll we'll question anybody. Like, uh, um, if they say something foolish or unscientific or irrational, it doesn't matter if it's uh, Cliff Berrickman or Kiwoni Lapsaritis, right? Yeah, because people when I go to conferences, people say to me, "You know that troll Steve at Bigfoot Books?" I'm like, "He's like they they think you're the devil." I know <laughs> it's it's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, we've actually been put on like evil lists that, that got circulated by the woo-woo types. Like, you know, I wasn't even on the top of the evil list. I was like number six or something. Yeah, you got you got some climbing to do, buddy. I know. <laughs> I know. I you earned it by now, you know. You're Jeez. top out of my book, Steve. <laughs> well, thanks. I always figure like when I first got into this Bigfoot thing, I met the right people at the right place, you know. Uh, 2003 at the International Bigfoot Symposium, and then up here in 2007 at the 40th anniversary celebration for the Patterson film, uh, met you guys, you know, and that trip out to Bluff Creek where we all went and drank the Bluff Creek ale from the keg. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> I liked that. I, I, you know, I saw the I kind of saw the light of Bigfoot, the Bigfoot uh, pursuit, the hobby of Bigfooting. You know, it's mostly just having fun with your friends and exploring uh, the possibilities of reality out there. Yeah, wild. You, you nailed it. You nailed it. Uh, Yammeron used to say the say those pearls of wisdom too. It's like Bigfooting at the bo bottom line. At the end of the day, Bigfooting is kind of just. Uh, finding people who think similarly to you and you enjoy spending time with them and you go camping. Yeah. And as long as you don't get in a fist fight with them, yeah, you know, like not. they find the, the virtual fist fights. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can hang out with a guy like Tom Powell and he's totally the opposite of me in terms of thinking about these things, but, or his personal theories about it, you know, are opposite to me. But he's a great guy and, and very funny and uh, very smart, you know. So those are the kind of people I appreciate. Uh, they don't have to agree with me, you know. Uh, I'm not going to come up to you and say, dude, Bigfoot doesn't exist. Uh, so I'd appreciate it if the Bigfoot believers didn't come up to me and said, say, you're closed-minded because you say Bigfoot doesn't exist. And I'm I'm sitting here saying, I didn't say Bigfoot doesn't exist. I said it seems like it's unlikely that it exists. You know, I'm exploring the possibility that it may be real, given the fact that there are sightings, there are people like my friends and the people I read about constantly who are having experiences of some kind uh, that seem consistent, you know, with the Bigfoot image, the Bigfoot animal, uh, I'd like to think, animal, you know, as opposed to, uh, mystical entity from the fifth dimension or whatever. Fourth. Fourth. That's like time. The fifth dimension is where things get really weird. <laughs> I, actually, I heard one time some guy uh, told me it was definitely the 11th dimension they were from. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's inconceivable to humans. I don't, I don't think anyone could draw that, you know, or even barely describe it with mathematics. Yeah, um, I think it's important for people to hang out with others um, who don't agree with them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, not not just and you know, case in point, this today I went fishing with Tom Powell. I was out with him for a couple hours, goofing around yeah. today. And two nights ago, I think it was two nights ago, maybe three. I had dinner and had a great evening with Henry Franzoni. Uh -huh. You know, and and fine. I, I I don't know if I can name. Well, I could probably name uh, a couple people who I disagree with more about Sasquatches than those two guys, but I just had a great time with both of them. And of course, they come up with their ideas, and you know, uh, Henry doesn't even claim to be, you know, thinking his. It's like I think he, I think he claims himself to be a, an artist when it comes to Bigfoot. I'm not quite sure what that means, but um, it, he says crazy stuff, and I I love it. I think it's hilarious, um, and I'm not laughing at him. These two gentlemen also think it's funny and fun. And, hey, and 
he's the one who he's the one who went and played the drums in the woods, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Doesn't want people to laugh. You should probably avoid doing that. But it was a classic moment, you know, that that documentary. And yeah. those two guys are foundational intellects and characters in the Bigfoot world. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'd take a, a I'd take one uh Tom Powell or Franzoni over a hundred uh crazy woos on Team Squatch in USA, you know, any but, day. But to be fair, but, they've I mean, got like, their own thing going too. Like they, they seem to be having a good time. I've got nothing against what the, I don't think they're right, but I uh they seem to be yeah, having a good time not hurting anybody. Well they're exploring something, whether it's like an animal, Bigfoot, or some kind of mystical process i don't know but i mean i really don't think bigfoot lives underground in massive cave systems you know uh like a a whole civilization of them down there but apparently tom powell believes something like that and yeah uh, yeah i think henry uh late uh tom has been very influenced by henry in some ways and henry has been very heavily influenced by a, a wide variety of native people that he's worked with over the years so i think he kind of picks and because you know native beliefs aren't all the same of course you know so i think he picks and chooses the ones that are most interesting to him um and kind of runs with it yeah. to see what truth might there be yeah we kind of put the bigfoot in the, the origins of Bigfoot in the native culture more than anything else, you know, that mm-hmm. is where it really started. I mean, granted, there are other forms of wild man throughout the world. Um, here in North America, I mean, it's definitely Native American peoples, and they all have different versions of it. You know, it's not necessarily the same thing. Uh, but my experience here locally with the Hoopa people and the Yurok's mostly the Karuks, they seem to have a, a an interestingly ambivalent attitude. Like, yeah, it's a thing from the spirit world, you know? It's not necessarily an, a thing that walks around on two legs or looks like a Bigfoot. Uh, it's definitely um, uh, in another world that can, they say, you know, can walk into this one because the worlds are intermeshed. And we just are living in one particular aspect of reality and uh, what other beings like, you know, the ancestors or, or these mystical entities might uh, live in. You know, So, I mean, I can live with that, but I mean, I don't know how it fits in with the white man science. You know, we're uh, practicing kind of a European approach to discovery where we want to see the thing and it's objectively real, not a uh not a vision you know not a spirit not something that comes in dreams and you know not probably not something that walks out of portals and so, so forth and cloaks itself um that i mean that's how i look at it you know it's it's got to be understandable with a rational mind i think uh, as all the other things that we actually have understood are you know um anything that we know has been rationally understood uh other otherwise we're just talking about experiences you know uh emotional um feelings and stuff those are fine too but um i'm not so sure about the reality of feelings you know like can you say that feelings have an objective uh correlative Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. We're to really talking about shared reality, you know, because to uh, have a conversation or to have understanding with anyone else, you have to come from a place of uh, mutual understanding. And, and and the very basic level of that is kind of reality. You know, we share the yeah. same rea- like our reality touches in, in a lot of places so we can converse about things. Reality is a social construct and a personal construct. But reality also exists outside of us altogether. And, you know, we have to have something in common uh, or we lose the ability to interpret our own language, our own culture and our own world. You know, if you if you don't follow, say, the, the rules of grammar and, and logic, then you cannot actually express a, a coherent thought. You know, you're if you're violating those laws, your, your, your thinking is actually, uh, 
fundamentally flawed, you know, it's not a, a valid proposition. And um, in terms of objective reality, well, it's there whether we open our eyes or not. So um, we need to have a means of communicating about it with each other. So we have language and we have logic and we have science. And uh, I guess for people who really want to delve into the unknown, we have, uh, you know, um, psychedelic drugs <laughs> or uh, religions, you know, for people to explore those things. But they shouldn't be confused, you know. Well, it is a different domain, right? Yeah. What's that? I think Bobo said something. You said dr psychedelic drugs or religion. I said, or you can combine them both. Well, and, and theogens, the yeah. uh, plant, plant substances that cause us to have radical experiences of a different kind of reality than we're used to receiving through our five senses, you know? Yeah. Um, those are universal things, too, actually, has been studied uh, extensively in psychology and, uh, you know, um, um, world religions uh, in general. The, the, the whole idea that, you know, you can have two people from absolutely different times and cultures, and they can have a very similar experience of something, you know, archetypal, right? Something universal, um, but I don't know if that's a Bigfoot issue. You know, I, I don't understand how Bigfoot gets mixed up with these things that mind speak kind of stuff, you know. Um, to me, if there's a Bigfoot, it's a creature. And I, I'd like to see it just like I see bears uh, out, out here in the hills, you know. Yeah, Bigfoot is biology as far as I can tell. There's so much just squished up with it all. Um, you know, Matt Pruitt was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about this book about tigers that he read. And um, and he was commenting about how the people, the local people uh, who lived where these tigers were, kind of act, like formed tiger cults, and they had mystical, paranormal sort of beliefs about them. Uh, a lot of parallels, actually, to our present-day situation with Sasquatches. Um, cause you know, a lot of the, uh, I'll, I'll just say woo folks, although I don't think like woo is a really big umbrella because so many different perspectives and beliefs fall under that umbrella term there. But a lot of them sound a lot like religion to me, um, uh, when they're, when, with, with, um, with, with some of the beliefs, with some of the, uh, uh, experiences and the fervent, uh, what's the word, um, defense, that people are willing to go to, you know, this, I'm, yeah. I'm going to fi find you online, seek you out and write you a seven page or, you know, seven paragraph email about stuff you don't care about. You know, those are ultra orthodox. Woo. Yeah. Well, there's two different aspects of that issue there. You know, um, the one is, um, how do we know reality? Right. And, um, how do we share reality? Like, what is reality? It's it's a separate issue from how we come to know it or explore it with our minds. Does that make sense? Yeah. Tie it back to Bigfoot. So but, uh, what is what is Bigfoot and how do we explore that? You can put a mystical reality on anything. You could say a bear has spiritual power. You mm -hmm. could say um, trees have spiritual power. Uh, but, you know, Bigfoot can also, therefore, have spiritual power. I mean, in some ways, uh, it it could be a thing that doesn't even exist in the objective world and have power. Uh, if it's a universal motif, uh, as uh, I think Bigfoot is, you know, globally occurring amongst humanity across large gaps of time there, um, Bigfoot seems to be an archetype more than anything else. Uh, the big question is whether it's something that's based on objective reality, uh, which we can study objectively, or whether it's something that's um, subjective. You know, so I mean, science tries to be objective and study things that are external to us, like um, things that you can touch and. That's not to say their world is limited because, you know, who discovered quantum physics and energy, uh, you know, of the atom and all these things? That was scientists who did that. 
not mystics. Uh, yeah. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with mysticism. I, I think, like, uh, the native sp- a spiritual worldview is totally valid. And, and I mean, in a lot of ways, which one would you choose to live in if you could have a pure choice, right? To live in the spiritual experience, one with nature or whatever, or to go and be a hyper-rationalist sitting in some library, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've often, thought, I've often thought that my perspective on Sasquatch is really boring compared to a lot of other people's. Uh, it seems like their Bigfooting life is probably much more exciting than mine. Um, well, roundabout, that's sort of what I was trying to get to saying. Uh, you know, uh, if you're a person who's feeling middle-aged and uh, um, your life has come to a por- point of boredom, what could be better than to turn woo and uh, go out? Like so many of these people in the Bigfoot world, they're like m- middle-aged people whose uh, kids have flown the nest and um, suddenly they appear <laughs> in this uh, conversion experience to, uh, to the Bigfoot uh, spiritual path. And I'm just shocked when I see it because, you know, for me... It was when I was a kid, you know, I saw these things on movies and television about Bigfoot, and I was fascinated that it could be a living animal out there. You know, in all my life, I've I've sort of been an amateur in the background naturalist, you know, uh, interested in science and things that can be objectively known. Uh, so um, I've always kept that separate from the the spiritual or mystical types of things that I've also explored uh, or the pure philosophy that I, I tend to engage in. You know, it's just an intellectual thing, like trying to get your brain to function efficiently and properly to understand knowledge that uh, um, a lot of people, they're, they're just born again into Bigfoot. They skip the whole part of it possibly being like a, a real animal or an objective animal, a physical being, they go right into the magic. And I think, I mean, to me, that's escapism. They're, they're ignoring the fact that they do live in the physical world, uh, call it the physical world, but I mean, they have to consume energy and uh, process food and uh, live as a biological organism, just like all the other animals do. But you know, some people, you know, they're primed by their culture and by their own personal belief systems to already be ready you know, to accept uh, that Bigfoot can be walking out of a portal and speaking to you inside of your head. You know, and they've been trained since childhood by their religions, you know, by Jesus or Muhammad or whatever it is coming to talk to you, you know. And, you know, then it's, maybe it's aliens came in your room and you, you had weird experiences with them. And, you know, it, it, it like uh, that guy Jacques Vallée says, you know, this kind of experience of, of a mystical dimension of, of reality related to entities, it seems to be universal. Like in the Middle Ages, we had, we had uh, fairies and elves and pixies and gnomes. And then they, in the modern world, they became uh, uh, gray aliens from outer space. And I think Bigfoot is kind of like a tangential version of that to a lot of people. Uh, Bigfoot is the natural, like, forest version of it rather than the outer space version. Right. But the woo, you're saying, like, these people come into it and they just start off woo. There's tons of people that had no thought of the woo, but through their personal experiences, what they've seen and experienced, they've get open to the idea of it being a possibility yeah but you know if you really if you've never uh fully examined your belief systems and culture there's a lot of woo that's just built into us naturally you know um i mean i didn't i didn't always uh practice skepticism i was a i was a woo (laughs) you know out of high school i was into mystical things I was reading Carlos Castaneda and uh, Theosophy and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, sometimes people, uh, I think all of us pretty much have weird experiences that um, we try our best to interpret, you know. Uh, 
maybe you see something in the woods that strikes you as very strange or you get this uh, profound sense of fear you know i mean some people they 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 say they've seen bigfoot and they come out of it with post traumatic stress disorder or something of that nature uh, so i mean really it's it's hard to deny that something happened to them right uh, oh yeah, yeah. I've often thought that these people are just ex- the, the Bigfoot woo people. You know, I've got nothing against them. I'm wish them well. You know, but it seems to me that uh, they've experienced something, and they expect everyone else to believe that what they've experienced is the um, empirical truth, despite other people's experiences. And that's what kind of rubs me the wrong way. If I had a complaint about the Wu community, it's that it's their insistence that I agree with them. Yeah, and they get really angry with you. Like I said about being closed-minded, about skepticism. Well, you know, we have it's like a logical thing, or in science, the the null hypothesis. Um, you have to you have to allow for that to be possible, just as like a. A, a purely objective scientist is going to have to allow for other possibilities that they may not have incorporated into science yet. And, you know, one of those is Bigfoot. Um, because, you know, logically, we can't say Bigfoot does not exist. I mean, that no matter how you express that, it's a personal opinion. You can't prove a negative, you know. Um, I mean, Bertrand Russell made fun of this by saying, well, you know, you could always say there's a teapot orbiting Mars or whatever. Or in the asteroid belt, you know, and like no one can prove that there's not a teapot orbiting out in space. So, you know, then you can claim anything like the dragon in your garage. who's invisible. <laughs> you know, um, but I mean, logically, um, you can assert the possibility of Bigfoot and allow for it to be a possibility. And um, what's most intriguing to me is the way that uh, people say they've experienced something that's not supposed to exist by common sense knowledge that most people seem to share. You know, uh, Bigfoot does not exist for most people. Most Um, cities, not for people that live out in the other peninsula. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not arguing with them. You know, they just don't believe in Bigfoot. They could if one were brought in and shown on Fox News and they could actually verify that it wasn't a, a suit full of uh, roadkill or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like we've seen too many times before. But, uh, you know, there has to be a means of discussing and sharing reality uh, that is reliable and um, verifiable and true and, and can be used between people because i mean we're a social animal and there's no way that anyone's going to discover all this on their own uh but if you have your own vocabulary and your own way of of thinking and it goes so far that you you are just making up your own reality which i think a lot of these people are doing um you're you've stepped outside of that sort of social contract of of the mind and you've entered into solipsism you know, the, the, like you're the only person in the world having your own experiences. And they'll even say to you, well, I experienced it, so it's real, you know. Um, but that's not the same sense of reality that something is real. Like you can, you can count on water boiling when you put it on the stove. So that's why people hate you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're probably saying it right now. Why doesn't he just shut up uh, and you know talk about something more interesting? Like you know, Bigfoot did this, Bigfoot did that. Uh, but, stories, man. How do you feel about stories? Like, because I think we're at a point now in the Bigfoot thing that you know stories are cool, but we get to learn that oh, a Bigfoot was there at a certain time and place, or hey, it did something weird. It walked backwards, or you know, did something like that. But at this point, I don't think stories are doing much for us, um, except for entertaining others around a campfire. Um, oh, you probably hear more than your fair share of stories. What do you What do you think about those things? You know, if I hear a story from a person who's looking at me and my presence, or you know, maybe talking on the phone, um, that makes a big difference. You know, I can assess where they're coming from, 
who they are and and what kind of effect this experience might have had upon them. But I mean, the stories we get these days in the Bigfoot world, they're coming from it's really like, you know, creepy pasta fiction writers. Uh, there's a lot of this going on now with like, like that pack West Bigfoot guy, oh, up okay. north. you know, I mean, Bobo, you know, you've like experienced this. The, he talks about Humboldt County and stuff that we know about. And, you know, we've in some cases you have investigated these sightings. Right. And he takes it and just writes a fictional story about it. That yeah. has almost nothing to do with what actually happened. And he's popular. I hate that. Yeah, he's making money too. And he, he at first he even admitted it. You know that he was writing fiction, oh, he and he, he was trying to make a money marketing this thing. I mean, that's all good and fine, but you should have a big stamp on the front of it, whether you're on a TV show on the Travel Channel or whatever. <laughs> which says this is fiction. This is not based on reality except a small kernel of it. And then you should say what that kernel is and say where your source came from so that other people can go and check it out. You know, like get Daniel Perez to go look at it 10 years later. And, um, you know, maybe it was in a book or a, a journal or in a documentary, and you should have notes which say where you got that from, you know? Uh, rather than just taking some idea, some story and telling it uh, so, to such a degree that it becomes like Chinese whispers or whatever that that game, you know, where you whisper something in someone's ear and then they tell it to the next person around the whole room and it comes back to the first person and it's totally changed into something else. Yeah, it's called telephone. Yeah, telephone. Yeah. Was that your group, Steve? Were, were you guys the guys that did all, that investigation on the Travel Channel Bigfoot show? Yeah, we, well, I, I I don't know if I can claim credit for that in my group, but I know there were a, a lot of uh, questions that we raised early on, and a lot of very smart people in those in that group. You know, the Coalition for Critical Thinking and Bigfoot Research on Facebook is what it is. But um, we like anyone who wants to join, come on over. But um, the thing is, yeah, we had exposed a lot of it already just by critical thinking, you know. Well, you can see in that nest that he found that it was clearly a, a human-sized, human-made shelter. Um, and there were cut branches in it, you know, and it looked just like anything that might be constructed by Boy Scouts, right? So, I mean, one step at a time, it was exposed. Each episode exposed more. And uh, um, then at, at some point, we were asking, and I think a lot of other people across the country were asking, where is this thing being shot, you know? Um, so we had people on Google Earth looking for those um, features of the landscape that could be identified. Just like, you know, we found Matt Johnson's secret so high uh habituation area on google earth you know yeah. um but but you know someone eventually looked into it like you know i remember asking about well what's where is that cemetery you know that that should be identifiable on the map like an old mining uh town obviously was somewhere around there for there to be people buried in the middle of nowhere you know, they were claiming to be out in the wilderness, right? So um, what? why is there a truck there that, you know, looks like a grocery store delivery truck uh, from the 30s or the 40s? Um, you know, and all these things traced back to a dude ranch. Uh, somebody eventually found it, the uh, um, Anthone Ranch. <laughs> it's outside of Bend, Oregon. And they weren't even in the the wilderness or the national forest. Even they were in a a big dude ranch that includes a lot of cattle landscape, grazing lands, and also some mountain with forest. And you know, obviously they they made up the topography and the geo, geological formations of that landscape, which they showed on the television show. <laughs> um, well, I heard that the ranch is huge. Is it like 60,000 acres or something? 
Yes, it's really big. And, you know, they claimed that they had an algorithm which told them where to go because, like, this is where the Bigfoot activity is. But if you look at this Bigfoot sightings map of Oregon, that uh, that ranch is, like, right in the middle of a total um, wasteland of Bigfoot sightings. There's nothing really reported out there. You know, it's like a a, a desert, uh, a, an empty space on that map that has all those little pins marking the sightings and stuff. Uh, so if they had an algorithm, it told them exactly where they shouldn't have gone. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, no matter how big the ranch is, there's people on it. So you'd think if there were Bigfoot sightings occurring there, they would be reported to the BFRO and other groups just like all the other ones are. <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's, um, it, it's, I think it's a useful exercise to look into these kind of things because if someone's BSing you, um, it's not doing any good for the collective endeavor we have of finding the truth, you know, and, um, if the truth means that this was fake and it was a fraud, then so be it, you know? Well, that's unfortunate. That's the case, but I know, you know, we were uh, Travel Channel is owned by Discovery Networks, and Discovery didn't want any more fake stuff in their shows after the Mermaid show and that um, Russian Yeti killer one, whatever Bigfoot one. Well, the Megalodon one too. I know Animal Planet took a lot of heat when uh, they did the uh, the Mermaid and the Megalodon stuff. Yeah. So, and then you know the product. You'd have to put that on the production company itself, you know, and then. When you're out there filming, like those guys are all novices, you know, like a new show first season. They'll try to get you to film stuff and say stuff that you, you really shouldn't, but they, they get you to do it and they edit it in a way that you wouldn't even expect. So, yeah, it's you can't really hate on the guys on the show. It's it's uh, usually on the production company. Well, sure enough, what you know, even in, like in Finding Bigfoot, I found the process to be a lot more honest than I saw on that other show. But um when I was on the show, they definitely edited me. You know, I talked for what, five to 10 minutes and they put a one and a quarter minutes of me talking in there and it was all cut up into pieces and reassembled back together. Right. You know, with me uh, saying, you know, I never saw what it was. I don't know what it was. Uh, or, you know, you have to be skeptical about your own experiences they cut out all that. And instead they put a picture of the Bigfoot, you know, coming down the hill, like uh, with their CGI guys doing it. And, you know, every once in a while they'd put a picture of Matt's face, like looking astonished, you know, like that's a scotch. <laughs> I don't think that. Just kidding. Is that, you're talking about this, well, for the people that don't know, that's your experience you had house that night? Well, that really happened, you know. I've told this story many times, so I'll be brief, but it was something coming down the hill, um, sitting right where I am now, out on my front porch, and there's forest right there, which goes on, you know, for many, many miles. As you know, Humboldt County, it's just like a big wall of green. Um, but, you know, something was coming down the hill. I thought maybe it was just like a deer or a bear something kind of creepy crawling, you know, very quiet crunching of the forest debris. And then I heard it kind of crack against like, you know, it sounded like a stick or some a uh, piece of something breaking, like it had tripped over something in the underbrush. And then it comes down the hill that I hear this sound like whomp, 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 and then crash down into the, into the brush at the bottom. <laughs> I was like, what the heck is this? You know, I was like immediately up grabbing my flashlight that I keep out here, you know, and um, man, you know, um, I didn't see it. Right. But the ground was vibrating under my feet here. This uh, it's a concrete slab porch here, the foundation of it. And, you know, this was maybe 30 yards away from me in my at the edge of my yard here. Uh, you know, it's not fenced. It's not like a suburban house. It's up on the hills behind Willow Creek, you know? So, uh, I don't know what that thing was. It, you know, it moved around the side of my yard eventually. 
And um, it didn't just take off. It, it, it hid in the back brush back, you know, away from the property line where it wasn't as cleared for fire safety. And uh, it was back in there. Uh, whatever it was stopped and I stopped and I stood there for like 10 minutes or whatever, you know, listening and just wondering what to do next. You know, and I didn't know, I didn't want to go into the woods there because it was dense thicket. And, uh, um, I had just moved into this house just a few days before that, you know, or whatever it was a week, couple weeks. So like, uh, you know, this, um, this thing was there in the, in the kind of unknown woods. And I wasn't about to go out there. My flashlight battery was dying. Uh, I just stood there and I thought, well, I'll walk back towards the house slowly and see what it does, you know? Uh, so that's when it eventually moved. It went around the back of the yard into the neighboring house yard, which was unoccupied at the time. And it, moved behind a wall of plants and grapevine and stuff that's there and took off down the dirt road. And I never, uh, I never did get an eyeball on it, but you know, I told that to finding Bigfoot people. I didn't know if it was a Bigfoot, uh, you hear seemed... growling or something. What's that? Didn't you hear heavy breathing or growling or something? Uh, yeah. When it, when it moved, uh, <laughs> near to my house across this little driveway I have here, a gravel driveway. And then there's the plants right there, which were blocking the view. I could hear it breathing, you know, like you can hear a bear breathe or whatever right. when it's walking, it kind, of, it kind of snorts and breathes. That's what I heard was something like that. Uh, it was like aspirated with breath. And it was also kind of a grunt, like, yeah. <laughs> like I said, walked by and well, um, it was, you know, downhill from me. So the sound, the best sense I could make of the sound was that it was coming from an elevated position above the ground. It wasn't down on all fours, like a bear, you know, I could hear it up here where my ears are. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, I'm like, you know, maybe 10 feet above that house down the hill. Um, so what could it have been? I don't know. I mean, this is the kind of thing that uh, intrigues me, and it's my own experience. You know, I know other people have experiences like this, too. Uh, some people even do claim to have seen the Bigfoot, you know. Uh, I mean, not even getting into the stuff of people, like, standing there and talking to them or whatever. Well, anyone skeptical yeah. of that, I'll blame them one bit, but... Well, there's plenty of people who've seen Bigfoot just like in a totally ordinary way. I mean, just like I could have seen that Bigfoot if I had a better flashlight or if I had a decent night vision scope at the time or whatever. Uh, but I didn't, you know, um, uh, maybe I would have seen the Bigfoot. And then I would say to you right now, I'm certain that they exist. Uh, or, well, if it was ambiguous, I'd have to tell you. Even though I think I saw it, I'm still not certain. I have to question my own mind and my own assumptions. And, uh, you know, human uh, perception in general is notoriously fallible. Uh, mm. If you explore the concept of witnesses, you know, eyewitness testimony can be damning in court, but it's not going to hold up to science, right? But you have to admit you might have had a Bigfoot encounter. No doubt. I mean, I could have. I might have, and I've had other experiences similar to that, but, oh. uh, but I, because I've never gotten a full view of anything that I would say, that's a squatch. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do it. Even though you guys do like on the TV show and in personal life and, you know, you've had your own encounters and stuff, your sightings, Bobo. I mean, it's hard for me to like just say to you like that didn't happen, right? I mean, you saw something. For sure. So I have to ask, well, what what was it that you saw? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have to ask myself, what was it in my yard? Because I don't think it was a bear. How can a bear on four legs stomp the ground like that to make the ground vibrate as if they were bipedal footfalls? It, you know, it, it wasn't a deer. 
the, the way that deer will bound off into the woods, like they make go thump, 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 right. right? You can feel that. You can feel the vibration of a deer, but it, it's a much more like sharp and precise thump. Yeah. Like what I what I heard was like a big thump, you know, boom, boom, boom. Um, I mean, not earth shattering like a dinosaur walking by, but I mean, it was noticeable. Um, and then, you know, I sit out here at night smoking or reading or whatever, and I'm, I'm totally always listening and observing because I think, well, maybe there's something out there, you know? Um, and like, you know, I've had bears come right up to my front porch here. Like sometimes you don't even hear them. No, you just you suddenly hear like a snort. You're like, what the what the heck? <laughs> There's a bear right there, and I did not hear it uh, coming up to my house. I mean, that's just totally strange. But um, you know, I'm always paying attention. Yeah, black bears can be super so. Like they're so like you were talking before, like they're snorting and huffing and you know whatever. But when they go into stealth mode, they are quiet. Yeah, it freaked me out. I mean, I was sitting here for a while. I was hearing a little sound, like I thought it was maybe a, a mouse or something, you know, but it was a bear. <laughs> and um, whatever this Bigfoot-like experience I had, that's exactly what was happening. It was coming down the hill like that, very quiet and stealthy, and I could just sort of hear it up there. But um, yeah, when it started making the big noises, I... I suddenly had no explanation for what it was, you know? Yeah. Um, and living where I do, Bigfoot is a natural uh, go-to explanation for that kind of an experience, even right. though I don't know for sure. You know, <laughs> I always say on uh, uh, podcasts and stuff that I do that, like, we've never found Bigfoot on our trail cameras, you know, eight years of, trail cameras and not a single Bigfoot on it. And that's like with 20 cameras or so running, you know, all year round, um, you know, 15 to 20 cameras all year round, even in the winter when no one goes in there. You know, um, I always say we have never had a, a Bigfoot on the cameras and we've never had a de definitive sighting amongst us either. Um, uh, we found like tracks, you know, they, they're kind of maybe tracks like up at, uh, onion Lake, but you know, there's so many bears walking around up there that, uh, the, that area, it, it, it can fool you. You know, I mean, we've made tracks ourselves in the mud around the lake and had, uh, people come back from that. Like a few days later, they went to the same spot. And they saw the footprints in the mud and they thought maybe they were Bigfoot tracks because, you know, you know, you know, squishy mud, you're not going to see the boot, uh, the, the sole of the shoe. So he, he showed me that picture. I said, no, yeah, we were just there. Like, I remember that track in the mud, you know, we put it there. I, um, and they still didn't really want to believe it, but I mean, we've had those weird howling sounds that we heard up on the, uh, Blue Creek Mountain Ridge there, yeah. At the up there, and I think you've heard them, and Rowdy's heard them, and oh, yeah, I've heard. I've only, some I've only heard one, and all the all my years of frequenting Bluff Creek, I've only heard one distant long vocalization that I would attribute to Sasquatch. Um, and I always thought that was weird, and I, and frankly, I've always kind of put it on Bobo, like he blew the place out early because he's been working that spot since the early eighties. <laughs> Maybe you were there too in pretty early days. And yeah, you know, well, I started going there in '94. Yeah, but it's always been quiet up there. Even now, it's um, it's it's very sparsely uh, used. Uh, most of the time when we're there, there's no one else there. Yeah, um, yeah. And when we go there and we see people, it's not at the film site usually. Uh, it's at Laos Camp. And usually they're like they're locals who like to camp out there for a week or whatever during the summer. Yeah. That kind of like Native American camping thing that they do. Yeah, there's a lot of natives go there. Yeah, they love it. Then deer season, there's usually someone, a couple guys hunting in there. Yeah, we've seen some hunter guys 
Well, you know what? You know what? Uh, well, you guys made a pretty important scientific discovery on your trail cams out there. Tell us about that. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes in the course of um, looking for Bigfoot, you make other discoveries. You know, uh, and so we've always valued those other discoveries, whether they're botanical, historical, or, or zoological, or whatever they are. Um, and you know, we've all learned a, a lot uh, in doing this process. You know. Not just like, oh, this is Bigfoot. This is Bigfoot behavior. You know, we've learned a lot about other things. And one of the coolest things was when we saw this little creature on the um, film site cameras that was, we thought was just some kind of weasel or or whatever, you know, and we started kind of looking into it, like what kind of weasel is that? And well, turns out what we had here uh, in the past uh, native to this area is a subspecies of Martin, uh, and it was uh, the Humboldt Martin. That's what we have here. We don't have other Martins here, and so we had we all kind of look at it. Jamie says, "Like that's, I wonder if that's a Humboldt Martin because you know the the thing about them is that they were thought to have been completely extirpated, you know, an extinct subspecies." Um, and in the nineties, I think it was ninety six there was a one uh, little trackway found and someone identified by the footprint that that had to be a Humboldt Martin. So they put up a trail camera and they got a picture of it. And so uh, since then, you know, there has been a more study to find this animal. Uh, and there's estimated to only be like a hundred of them in California. And, you know, maybe another hundred up in Oregon, uh, approximately. So I mean, this is a this is an animal that's more rare than a Bigfoot could possibly be. I I, I saw one one night up on um, outside of Crescent City, on Walker Road, where the the Playboy Redwood footage was got. I yeah, used to, used to go up there a lot, and I thought it was a small wolverine running down the road. It was running right in front of me in my high beams. Then when I found out that about the Humboldt Martin, looked that up. That's what it was. Yeah, I've seen a lot of these kind of animals running. You know, Fishers, Martin, uh, at least one Martin, uh, ringtails. I've seen them you know, oh, yeah. striking around here. But um, yeah, they're really they're they're um, prospering pretty well down in the redwood zone. But you know, of course, it's very fragile. If if you disrupt one of their habitats, you could theoretically plummet them into extinction right there. You know. Um, because they're they're not going to adapt well with such low population numbers, but um, we've documented in Bluff Creek the uh, uh, with the Bluff Creek project we call it now. You know, um, uh, we've documented them repeatedly and in multiple numbers. Like we we have what seems to be a mated mated pair. Uh, you know, they're running around together in some of our images. Uh, obviously at home in their environment you know this is a super promising kind of thing um if they're breeding and um bluff creek is slowly growing back to its more natural state you know after years of logging and stuff um this is really great promising thing you know um it's yeah. also a, one of those signs we can take as a possible indicator that bigfoot could be viable uh, uh out there i mean if there are bigfoot animals um they uh they could live there because look at all the other animals that are prospering there uh, tons of bears tons of mountain lions we've had mountain lion families bear families you know you can over the course of a year you can watch the babies grow up you know right I mean, it's really prospering out there. Um, and I mean, this is like the, one of the most exciting things about the project. Uh, whether or not we found Bigfoot would almost be like, well, like secondary, you know, uh, to not that. Really. But um, no, not really. But yeah, you know what? I'm, you, guys, you guys, I mean, you guys got an awesome collection of shots. Where can people see those? Oh, yeah. Um, well, okay. If you just Google Bluff Creek Project, you'll find like our blog and other things. There's a Facebook page. Um, 
on YouTube, it's all one word. So it's just Bluff Creek Project. Um, drop that all one word into the search engine at YouTube, and you'll see our page, which has highlight videos and all kinds of other wacky stuff. Um, you know, animals doing some crazy stuff, um, you know, like uh, screaming female mountain lions in heat, you know, <laughs> like we got, a, you know, like 30 seconds of that. And then a reply from a male, apparently the male uh, mountain lion on the other side of the camera, you can hear him back there growling in response. And, you know, this is the classic mountain lion song that sounds like a woman being murdered in the woods, they always say, you know, right. uh, just horrifying if you didn't know what it was, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me, dude. It's, it, it is. If you don't know what you're hearing, it's, it, the first time I heard it, I was freaked out. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I've, I've seen raccoons and foxes make almost as scary a noise. Um, but yeah, the, the, that, I don't know, that, that is the, the satisfaction of just learning and hopefully uh, studying these animals. Um, oh, yeah, I, I was saying the, the where to go see it. So, um, you know, some of the unique content is on our Facebook page. Um, but if you go to, uh, like I said, the blog, it's like a web page, you'll find uh, it's... Uh, lovecreekproject.blogspot.com. And Jamie Wayne is mostly in charge of that. He uh, is the main guy with the trail cameras, although Rowdy and Robert have been doing a lot of it too. Um, me, I'm more like kicking back in my uh, um, scholar's chair these days, but um, I, that's where to go. And um the the blog page has a bunch of little links that you can click, including like directions to the film site, uh, which I think is currently on there. Like sometimes we take it down because we feel like there's too many yahoos going there now. Um, but yeah, uh, well, it's up there usually. And if you don't see the directions to the film site, you can certainly contact us and get it. Um, that way I don't have to be the unpaid tour guide over and over and over again at my bookstore, <laughs> you know, but, um, <laughs> um, yeah, all the links are there. So if you want to donate to the project, you can, uh, it, it's all publicly funded, transparent data there. We don't take any proprietary or profit motive to the pictures. So, um, you know, if you just give us credit, you can use any of that video, or any of those images for your own personal use, like in documentaries or whatever, you know? So, um, um, cool. also there are like field updates and all that other kind of stuff there. Uh, you, you might be really impressed with the drone footage that, uh, that Rowdy Kelly has been getting. Um, he's got some really top notch drones with great cameras on them now, and we can fly it from the bridge down at, the, you know, the bottom of uh, Bluff Creek before you get to uh, Laos Camp. We fly from that hill all the way up to the film site. Wow! So Wild. That's on the that's online now too. You, it's really dramatic. You know, you can see the whole course that Roger and Bob would have ridden that day on uh, the horses. Um, you know, and and finally, with the drones, we get a view of the film site from above. Um, but you know, it still doesn't really help. Like when we were trying to find the film site, it was really lost. The the site was lost to forest, and uh, you couldn't see the site for the trees, as it were. <laughs> you know, but uh, like you know, even then, when you're looking and you know where the big tree is, you can't really tell which one it is from the drone footage because you know it's there are all these old growth trees growing in there uh and it just hides itself like immediately thanks for listening to this week's episode of bigfoot and beyond if you liked what you heard please rate and review us on itunes 
Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 